0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Specter,
1: And this is indeed Brooke Spector Live. And uh, I'm back with our second interview, this time with Krista Kuljan. Uh, she's a, a writer, uh, she's a uh, research associate at the University of Edvard Institute for Socioeconomic Research. And she did a wonderfully fascinating book tying together the science of paleoanthropology and the political social economy, I guess we could put it, of the world that the various researchers, explorers, paleontologists existed in, and how that influenced what they described, and how what they found influenced what they thought about the sociology, history, and politics of the place places, actually, that they lived in. Much of it, of course, focusing on South and Southern Africa, because uh, that's where all the stuff is. That's where all the bones are to be found. And Krista, it's delight to have you with with us this morning. Um, I found your book fascinating, as you know, but uh, the title, Darwin's Hunch, you may have to explain that to listeners a little bit. I mean, Darwin had a lot of hunches and finches. He looked at those too, but uh, the particular Hunch. what was this
0: well thank you brooks for having me on the show it's uh wonderful to be here and um you know i, I studied the history of science brooks uh in in the early 1980s with the uh, paleontologist stephen j Gould so that's that's where i got my my interest in the the history of science and the, the history of of how Science is, is often shaped by its social and political context. So, so Darwin's Hunch, the, the title, comes from the fact that in, in 1871, Charles Darwin published The Descent of Man. And in that book, he wrote that he believed that all humans had common origins in Africa. He was interested in, in human evolution in that book. And his theory was not widely accepted at the time. And scientists argued that humans had evolved in Europe or perhaps Asia. And and that really came, I think, from their incorrect assumption that Europeans were in some way superior to other people around the world and that there was a hierarchy of race. So, So the book really looks at um, over three different periods of time, how did this idea of Darwin's this theory uh, play out? So, so the book is divided into three parts. The first is 1870s through the 1940s when the search was really on to try to understand fossil evidence and uh, was really you know some of the thinking was really shaped by colonial thinking at the time. Um, And Raymond Dart was very active here in South Africa. And the second part looks at the 1950s through the 1980s. And so that, of course, was influenced by apartheid here in South Africa. And, And Philip Tobias, who many of your listeners will know, was a very prominent scientist in that time. And then the third part really looks at the late 1980s through to about 2015, just before the book was published. Uh, when genetics really started to have an influence on um, the understanding about human evolution. And of course, that was post-apartheid as well. So I I was wondering, Brooks, can I tell you one one story um, that kind of introduces this concept of the relationship between scientific assumptions and its social and political context?
1: Krista Kujan is our second guest for this morning, and she she has a she has an explanation or a story or or a flashlight I guess or a torch shining on the relationship between the science and the sociology and the history. And I, go ahead.
0: Well, Brooks, in fact, in a previous discussion, you you um you said that you were interested in this story as well. It's the story of Piltdown Man.
1: Ah, okay. Um,
0: Right, right. So in the late 19th century, when when Charles Darwin wrote The Descent of Man, the search for human fossils was was on. And explorers had found Neanderthal fossils in Germany and France and elsewhere in Europe. And other explorers were really searching in, in Asia, looking for evidence there. Now, no one at that time was looking in Africa. And then In 1912, a lawyer and amateur archeologist named Charles Dawson found a fossil in a gravel pit in Piltdown, Sussex, England. And he shared his findings with the British Museum and other scientists and presented the the findings publicly. And the Piltdown fossil had a a large human-like cranium and a more ape-like mandible. So there was great excitement that this was proof that that humans first evolved in, in, in England. And there was great national pride about that at the time. But in 1953, more than 40 years later, when more advanced chemical analysis was available, the fossils were found to be a forgery. And they were not ancient fossils at all. So someone had stained and filed a modern human cranium, and the mandible of a modern chimpanzee, and the New York Times headline read "Piltdown Man Hoax Exposed." So for decades, you know, from the early 1900s until you know the 1950s, um, you know, several prominent sci- scientists had been really off on the wrong track, and I want to read you just one paragraph from the book um, reflecting on this story. The hoax illustrates how false scientific data can be accepted quite easily when it fits with existing expectations. Scientists expected that humans evolved in Europe so they readily accepted the evidence. Mistakes are clear with hindsight but false information presented as fact can be welcomed because of assumptions that are incorrect. Racist thinking at the start of the 20th century was certainly a part of what created the environment in which a fallacious fossil find in England could be readily accepted.
1: Well, I'm old enough to remember uh, scientists, paleontologists uh, when I was a child, Uh, in the U.S., um, arguing extensively and uh, authoritatively that uh, even then in the 1950s, a name that you remember, Carlton Kuhn, that that, uh, modern man evolved uh, independently in four or five different places, none of which were Africa, and they were scattered from Asia to Europe, And that was close to gospel for quite a long time. And when I first got interested in in this topic, his ideas and his influence was still very much uh, a a factor. But as the world turned, as circumstances moved and more and more work was done in northeastern Africa and then in southern Africa, this this whole idea got turned upside down.
0: Yes, yes. So Carlton Kuhn, he was the author of a book called The Origin of Races in 1962. And he, in that book, he looked at all the fossil evidence, and his argument was that there were five different groups of, of, of people around the world who had evolved separately and had evolved at different rates. So in he was, he was really promoting the idea of, of European. And white supremacy, which at the time in the South in the US was embraced, um, it was incorrect, it was used in schools in uh Louisiana and high schools, etc. So, you know, Carlton Kuhn had influence well into the 1970s, however, he is um uh you know, science, um, fossil evidence, uh, genetics, etc., has shown that he was he was um, uh, disturbingly incorrect, um, and, um, and yet, uh, as you say, you it was within our lifetime that he was promoting this
1: perspective. And that, I guess, is the reason why more research, more exploration, more discovery, more analysis, and more comparison between what one finds in place A versus what one finds in place B, why all of that continues to be not just important, but essential.
0: Well, um, I think it's important for us here in in Johannesburg to go back to Raymond Dart uh, and the Taung Child skull. Also, um, in this in this conversation, uh, Mrs. Pless, um, ancient fossils that have been found in, in South Africa and have had a, a major, um, uh, you know, influence on understanding about human evolution and. Uh, major influence in the field of, of paleoanthropology, you know, Raymond Raymond Dart was originally from Australia, um, and he, he got his, his uh, education in the UK. But he moved to South Africa in 1922, and he took up a position as the head of the Department of Anatomy at Vits University. That's um,
1: just when, when the university was just beginning.
0: Yes, yes, as it had just as it just opened. So um, his his work with the town child skull um, was important. Maybe we can come back to that. I see you have to go for a break.
1: I do indeed. And then I will be back and we'll we'll finish this off. And then if you can do that quickly, we will cover we'll cover the whole field.
0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Specter.
1: And this is indeed, we're speaking with Krista Kuljan, whose book, Darwin's Hunch, profiles the relationship between the discoveries in paleontology and the socio-political environment in which the discoverers operated in and thought about what they were. And you had a story you wanted to relay to us uh, in our remaining time together. Please, Krista, go ahead.
0: Ah, well, I, I think uh, we had just uh, let off where um, we were talking about uh, Raymond Dart having described yeah. the Taung child skull um, in in Nature, um, in the journal Nature in 1925. He named it Australopithecus africanus, uh, meaning southern ape of Africa, and he suggested that the fossil. Um, pointed to pre-human ancestors in Africa, so in fact he was uh, supporting Darwin's hunch, Darwin's theory. And again, uh, many scientists rejected Dart's view at that time. Uh, remember, many you know some scientists were really focused on on pilt down man; they just were not thinking about Africa. And I, I know that uh, your your listeners uh, are also. Uh, many of them may have known Philip Tobias, and Philip Tobias was a, a student of Raymond Dart's in the 1940s and 50s, um, and he became the head of the Department of Anatomy at Fitz Medical School. But he, of course, you know, was uh, a promoter of the field of, of paleoanthropology as well. He he reopened the Staircantine caves in the 1960s when it had really been. Abandoned for many years, uh, the National Party government under apartheid was not interested in paleoanthropology at all, unlike Jan Smuts, who had been a supporter of Raymond Dart in the, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So Philip Tobias um, is an important uh, figure in the book as well. Uh, he's, he's well known for having worked closely with the leakies in East Africa for decades And it's interesting to look at how the international focus on human origins research really shifted away from South Africa as a result of apartheid. And and as a result of new fossil finds in East Africa. So, so, you know, Philip Tobias was um, involved in in both uh, locations on the continent.
1: Krista, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to. Call, uh, blow the, the whistle and call a halt to this because we have to we have to wrap up and get, make way for somebody else. But it's been a delight to have you. Uh, for listeners who want to read the book, it's still available. Darwin's Hunch, Krista Kuljan. Uh, buy it. Gikana
0: Media. Media is the publisher here in Johannesburg.
1: I would, I would encourage people to uh, find a copy, order a copy, or borrow one from the library. It's on Kindle as
0: well on Amazon
1: for eBooks.